Welcome back, Harvey, to another session of the Backstory with Harvey Kronberg on State House. I wanted to talk today about the uh, border. There's a lot going on. There has been a lot going on. And um, I knew as session approached that um, the legislative session, as it approached, there was going to be a legislation of some kind that was going to come up. Um I didn't expect uh, Representative Schaefer's bill, I think it's HB 20, um, to create a civilian uh, unit down along the border, border security unit, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. That's raised a lot of a lot of people's uh, eyebrows on um, – I, I don't know who all at the Capitol is, is, is really coming out in, for, in favor or against it, but – I know when you look at what's being reported, um, it's not getting the best press. And so uh, I'm really interested to know what you're finding out. Well, the first thing is that it surprises me that it's got a low bill number, uh, HP 20. That usually means that it's got leadership sponsorship. And that uh, seems uh, uncharacteristic of our current speaker, uh, Dade Phelan. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, the border is uh, consistently the number one polling issue among Republican primary voters. And it's pretty high up for general the general population. So this may be that we've kind of run out of optics that we can perform. We've got we put four billion into border defense, which mostly means that we've got troopers sitting in Holiday Inn bars, uh, hanging out, uh, missing uh, their families, losing work, and uh, surprisingly high suicide rate among those folks. Um, but um, uh, we've got all the manpower down there we can that the state can provide. We've diverted law enforcement from the rest of the state down to the border. Uh, it has had only a marginal impact, obviously, a very little deterrent impact. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that the anger, particularly among folks on the border, uh, has in any way subsided. The good thing about the $4 billion is that it really has been kind of like an economic infusion down there. For political cynics uh, that used to be called walking around money, where you would, uh, yeah. in order to secure street votes, money. street money, right? Uh, you might go secure, you might uh, hand out a 10 and say, we'd appreciate it if you'd come vote for uh, the whoever, the Democrat, the Republican. In a, this is in some ways the most sophisticated street money distribution system I've, or walking around money uh, uh, distribution system I've ever seen. Because if you did a cost-benefit analysis, I don't think you would find very much benefit except to the local businesses down there. I don't think you would be able to find measurable the declines in, um, in uh, uh, illegal crossovers. So left to, left to that uh, and the level of frustration and the fact that uh, Republicans see opportunity in South Texas um, and that, that Democrats apparently don't. They have not been very good on messaging on the border. Obviously, um, they, they don't. They are unable to harness anger in quite the same way Republicans do. It may well be that this is just the next, uh, the effort at uh, the next step of um, of uh, trying to win over uh, South Texas Hispanics to the Republican side of the aisle. Um, now it's unclear whether this civilian military paramilitary that we would be creating or civilian law enforcement that we would be creating would be recruiting from around the state, from around the country, or whether it would just be local folks uh, down on the border. Uh, to my knowledge, it hasn't had a hearing yet, so no. we have not had an opportunity to yeah. hear what the uh, what the bill author and the uh, advocates on both sides think. 
but um, it uh, it does not seem in the interest of public safety to have a bunch of um, untrained folks armed that think they have arrest power uh, or in some way detainment power uh, turn them loose. Um, it, it just it's very hard to to see what the upside is other than to try and satisfy the anger or ameliorate the anger that the civilians down there may feel. It's troubling for for people that are not on the border because um, it seems like it's going on down there. And uh, even though it's very close there, you know, it's Texas still, it's just, you know, a few hours away. Um, And, you know, I guess uh, when I look at that issue and I listen to what's going on and I listen to um, my orcas give testimony before Congress and it really, um, because it is happening in Texas, you know, it really, I, I get really angry viscerally about watching that testimony mm-hmm. because I don't know how you can sit there and, you know, straight faced tell Congress that, uh, the border is secure. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know how you do that. And, um, what really makes me angry about that, and I think the reason for all of these things that are that are happening, you know, the the four billion that's being spent on the, I guess that's Operation Lone Star, um, and then, you know, bills like this that are creating a civilian force to help assist. I think you're like you said, you're out of options, right? You know, now you have to go to you have to go to the next thing. Um, you know, I I wonder what's going on that would allow the federal, well, the administration in this case, the the administration to allow this to happen. You know, I think about other issues that don't affect us directly. Like when you look, when you watch on TV and you see um, the smash and grabs going on in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. or you see some of the violence going on in New York, in some ways, which is awful, you're kind of like, well, it's happening there. Let's keep it over there. Right. I feel like the rest of the country probably probably feels that way. Well, it's down there, you know. Let's, uh, and you know, we're kind of out of, you know, what do we what do we do? And we don't have any backup from the actual agency. Well, then the agency has to get their orders from above from the president. And when they when they when they have no power to do the thing that they're supposed to be doing, which is secure the border. So I, you know, in some ways, you know, I think. This is a response to that. It may not be, a, 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 you know, who knows what's going to actually happen with that bill and what's going to come out of it. It's, I guess it'll just, it'll be definitely a lot of discussion. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've got a real serious problem, and I think a lot of Texans do, because I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends down on the border, and they are impacted in an mm-hmm. incredibly awful way. Those little cities down there are not set up to take on yeah. the rush of people. Now, uh, that's happening. Just to put some context on it, uh, let's go back to 2006 when uh, George W. Bush and um, John McCain actually were trying to pass a a pathway to citizenship, pass a, um, a pr- uh, updated procedure for handling the border. Um, uh, the talk radio essentially, Rush Limbaugh, by almost single-handedly killed that effort. So we haven't been done anything really since 1986 to address the border. Um, which was the last immigration, quote, reform bill. Um, On the one hand, we need the labor. We're suffering severe inflation right now, and a good portion of that's because of the labor shortage. 
On the other hand, it, we should we also need to remember that uh, Canada has pretty much an open border with the United States, but we're not as exercised about that. But of course, uh, Canada is a, a first world country. It's prosperous. It's industrial. Uh, Central and South America are obviously um, uh, economically um, more disadvantaged. Uh, right. But the fact that we don't have a procedure and that the only real vehicle to get into the country is to cross the border, pay coyotes and whatever it may be. I mean, it's a human tragedy on both sides. Yeah. I think it is actually a national issue. Up in the, Right before this last uh, general election, uh, the top three issues for most voters going to vote was uh, the border, crime, and inflation. And uh, so it really does have a national profile. What was surprising was that it, they ultimately got people told pollsters those were the biggest three issues going into the voting booth. Coming out, they said the two biggest issues were abortion and um, uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, abortion and and uh, the danger to democracy, um, right? Which didn't really break out in any measurable way beforehand. That's just the politics of it. The the question of how to deal with the human tragedy in South Texas is. Um, is uh, severely problematic, and it really hasn't gotten the president's attention or the administration's attention in any kind of serious way. Uh, they should be faulted for that, um, yeah. which creates opportunities uh, for uh, extreme, perhaps unconstitutional provisions. You know, we theoretically can't have posse comitas, uh, which is a paramilitary uh, acting in a civilian capacity, acting against civilians. In addition to which, I'm not really sure how you it, it's. Uh, if if you empower folks to do this and they're down in South Texas and say Laredo or something and somebody walks by they think might be undocumented, how there's there's at least a legal procedure um, for among law enforcement officers to try and figure out that tells you what the protocols are on how to handle it. Yeah, I'm not sure what you do with a group of civilians with weapons who um, start off being angry. Uh, I mean, you know, that's it, a good point. Um, I think I think all of all of this uh, going on at the border. Uh, with regard to the uh, people coming over, all the immigrants coming over illegally, all um, it, it does create a. Um, I think it also creates a, uh, a stigma of uh, a, and, and discrimination of the Hispanic population just by virtue of the fact that that's the, that's who we're talking about. Yep. Now, I know lately they've talked about a lot of Chinese immigrants coming over and 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 others. Central uh, Americans, Central Ameri- not, not yeah. Mexicans, but yeah, Central. but I, you know, I think people probably put you know all you know sort of Hispanics right. into a into a bucket, which is is not correct. And that, but but I think they that's how they see things. They probably you know they put all mm-hmm. people of certain ethnic groups or races into one into one bucket, and that's problematic. The I guess the problem I have is, um, why isn't it getting any attention? By the president, and and I wonder, uh, is this a pun- is is this a punishment to Texas because of how we vote here and and who we are? Uh, because it's not only impacting you know j- just the, the the tragedy of the of the people coming over and the people that that they're impacting in Texas, but they're starting to move throughout the country, and and then you also have um, you know all of the uh, all the fentanyl. That comes across as well. How it comes across, yeah. I mean, you know, there's you can debate about how it's coming across. Some of it's coming across, you know, by you know through the immigrants and they're being forced to to bring it across. Uh, across. But 
I would say by and large, most of the people that are trying to get here are just trying to get here to work. We've if if you haven't had if you haven't had contact with an illegal immigrant in your life, then you probably have never had done the things, had your lawn mowed, you know, people washing dishes in the restaurants and, you know, all of the things, all you, it, they're here. But um, so I just can't understand with all of the people dying from fentanyl in particular, why there isn't some, why isn't there more uh, coming out of, you know, out of uh, Biden's administration. It makes no sense to me. Well, uh, they seem to have a, I, I have to agree, they seem to have a deaf ear when it comes to uh, uh, the border and they, they their arrest records are, are uh, detainment records are, uh, numbers are comparable to Obama and Obama actually did hit some peaks uh, on that. But uh, the message south of the, uh, uh, I, I say this as if I'm authoritative, but what I understand <laughs> is that the messages, messaging south of the border is this is still the easiest pathway up north. Um, the uh, the board, the, this whole border containment thing is really kind of a novelty uh, from the last 30 years uh, because um, you and I both know people who would live in Mexico or they would have relatives that live in Mexico come cross over to go to school. Flip side was uh, you lived in the United States, you go down to Mexico for medical care. It was pretty much just an open, uh, open you know, crossing a river. Yeah, um, and it's uh, frankly, um, as the country uh, with the the darkening of of the country, uh, this has ramped up. So it's not just Hispanics, but it's Asians, it's um, uh, 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 Middle Easterners, right. uh, dark complexion. Uh, we're about to become a majority minority country, and that's very unsettling for a big chunk of population. Um, uh, having said that, there's very few families that don't have a Latino or an Asian. That the, the very few Anglo families that don't have a Latino or an Asian or uh, somebody else from someplace else that they that has married a son or a daughter, and mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of blended children. I at one point thought that was going to be the ultimate solution was just intermarriage, um, uh, but uh, the uh, we we and once upon a time immigration was also elastic. Uh, so during the 2008 um, uh, financial crisis. We actually uh, had positive net inflows of, of undocumented workers coming in uh, to work up until that point, and the work disappeared, and they went back home. So we actually had oh, two, maybe three years of reversed, yeah. reverse migration uh, when the work disappeared. The, the hook that captures the imagination is gangs, cartels, and fentanyl. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure how much fentanyl is coming overland across the border you may recall that uh, uh, in the heyday of the cartels, um, uh, marijuana and uh, cocaine and heroin were coming through tunnels. Um, so I'm not sure that what the correlation is between the massive numbers of people that we see in those, you know, tragic photos and yeah. film clips have anything to do with. Uh, well, and that's you're, you know, you're you're right. And I, I mean, I I can't argue about how it's coming over because I really don't know, and I don't think we could say we know. I, I guess maybe it's just that. You know, because it seems like we don't have a really a secure border, it, it seems just easier for all those things to happen, you know, drugs to come over easier. There just isn't what we we always perceived as a way to, to fight back against, you know, those those uh, those kind of issues. And I guess maybe fentanyl is hits a little harder because, you know, uh, I don't know if, you know, how many people that are listening and are and viewing and watching this today um have 
had someone that they know actually die from fentanyl, but I do um, have have a, a good friend of the family son um, was was poisoned by a fake Xanax, mm-hmm. and I mean, what an awful thing to happen! And you're talking about, you know, we're not. You know, we're, we're, we live in Austin, you know, this is, you know, we're not third world. We're not even, you know, uh, you know, higher than middle income areas. I mean, that's where it's hitting. And, I, and so I, I just, uh, you know, I, I see nothing being done and it just, it makes me mad because I, it, it reminds me every day when I see, you know, the numbers of how many people are dying from fentanyl. The, um, I'm not sure it's, it's quite accurate to say nothing is being done, but I think that, um, the concept of a secure border versus a relaxed border. Uh, we had uh, when we had a relaxed border, we had uh, far fewer issues, yeah. um, and you essentially had a lot of cooperation in South Texas with law enforcement uh, against cartels. I'm, I'm painting painting with a very broad brush now, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I uh, it, while you were talking, it struck me that when we had a relaxed border, we didn't have this sense of crisis mentality. Now that we're trying to close the border. Um, uh, which defies hundreds of years of custom and tradition, it may well, um, uh, maybe that we're asking the wrong question. I'm not sure what the right question is yet, but the fact you can't get to the right answer without the right question. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess there is, there is a, a, a bill uh, out there right now that did change the, uh, uh, the cause of action for someone that either, I guess, distributes or manufactures um, fentanyl mm-hmm. uh, to uh, as a I guess it, it now defines it as a poisoning and um, and then and then the what you get is a is a, a I guess a um, charge with murder I I think that's what I, if I remember correctly is that right Well the governor uh, actually changed the rhetoric during his state of the state speech and started referring stop referring to it as fentanyl, fentanyl overdosing since any dose of fentanyl could be fatal Yeah. Uh, and start referring to it as fentanyl poisoning, which may be part of the right question. I don't know. Um, but um, uh, the, the, I, I do not believe the vast majority of fentanyl is manufactured in South America. I think it's probably, from what I understand, Asian. Um, right. So there are lots of ports of entry. Um, the border just happens to be the one close. The border with Mexico happens to be the one closest to us. But uh, I suspect that there's lots of ports of entry for for fentanyl. So trying to uh, pigeonhole it just as a Texas-Mexico cross-border issue is probably um, mistaken. Um, And my guess is to the the levels of fentanyl that are coming in are not being brought by 99% of the people trying to get into the country. It's 1% that are drug dealers don't, don't consign merchandise to people that aren't working for them. And it's hard for me to believe that yeah. the tens of thousands of people we're watching coming, coming over uh, are fentanyl distributors. And you don't have to bring that much. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with right. it, right? It is, is, uh, you know, they, it doesn't take very much for it to be effective um, or, or actually poisonous, but I mean, they could bring a, a backpack full. Well, let me, let me uh, uh, do a bank shot here real quickly. And you may recall when the governor decided he was going to stop all of the cross-border truck traffic coming in from yeah. Mexico. Yep. Um, and frankly, all they did, every truck was supposed to be inspected. To my recollection, they found no fentanyl coming in that way. What they did do, however, was block traffic. Um, uh, the biggest port in the country, not just seaport or land port, is Laredo. 
Um, there's a sea of trucks on both sides waiting to come and go. Um, and part of what makes this difficult, for instance, is um, um, the the governor was somewhat flippant about all this when he was doing it. It was um, it was presumed to be more for optics than anything else, and ultimately it was. However, the um, uh, one of the things that uh, apparently that nobody in the governor's office considered was that we have a hundred, uh, not quite a hundred, um, automobile assembly plants in the United States all of whom are reliant upon parts coming in from Mexico. And remember, we just had this massive supply chain right. crisis. So we have to, um, we were we were probably days, a couple of, he, he, I, he stopped a, the uh, blockade after seven days. But if he'd gone another two days, they would have had to start laying off workers in this country uh, who work assembly lines because they wouldn't have had parts to do their assembly. So there's a synergy and a symbiosis between the two countries that has to happen, uh, or we stop me before I, I shoot the economic engine that makes us all prosperous, or at least gives us the possibility of prosper, prosperity. So our economies are so intertwined, and um, uh, part of what makes te- Texas attractive is that you can do the maquilladoras um, and assembly uh, manufacturing south of the border, bring it up for assembly north of the border, and it's a seamless uh, a kind of deal. So there's there's a dependency that the between the two countries or between the two sides of the border that rarely get discussed in this conversation about illegal immigration. Um, but um, uh, you can't really block the border. In, no, in that, that's, that's, there, there is the problem. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you really can't, it needs to be uh, somewhat porous, I guess, and, and relaxed that, in some ways, but it, and but, a process and, and a, a process. process, you know, I just, and that, that, that also just uh, confounds me as well is, the, the lack of effort by anyone to come up with a process. You know, I was talking with, uh, I had my parents here over the weekend, and I think I mentioned to you on uh, one of the last times we talked here that um, their parents both came over from Mexico and became citizens. And they worked, mm-hmm. they, they, they got a job, you know, and they did their thing, they raised their family. And, and so my parents are now first-generation Americans. And, um, but I don't, it, it didn't seem like that was an issue. It's not like it's talked about how difficult it was or anything. I don't know what the process is or what the process they went through. Cause one came in through, met through uh, Arizona and one came through Texas. And so, you know, I don't know that the, the port they came through made any difference, but they both ended up becoming citizens and, and prosperous as, as well as they could, um, in the U S but what what's what broke down is it was it the number of people that started coming across was it the back up in the the logs of the judicial system trying to well i'll probably get corrected by somebody on this but of course. my parents are also first generation americans although european of european descent and uh, their grand their parents came over they were fleeing europe obviously yeah. uh, during times of pogroms and and um uh, well just Bad times. And um, um, to my knowledge, they did not ask permission to come. But when they got here, they registered, which was a process. Right. And uh, there was um, uh, the Galveston migration, which is what they did. There was a, a Jewish infrastructure meeting the ships coming in. And um, the infrastructure was a rabbi that had some fruit and some coins 
And he would uh, greet them at the boat and send them off to Corsicana or Wharton or Waco, which is why you've got all these tiny little Jewish communities, most of which have now evaporated. I did not know In that. small town, Very Texas. Yeah. Um, but the the takeaway was that, and the procedure, and I think this is largely true in, of, of South Americans. Uh, the first one would come over, get a job, make a little money, send for the next one, make a little money, send for the next one. And... Um, and uh, I don't believe that we got into uh, uh, requiring permission um, until much closer to World War II. Maybe we required permission, but um, uh, the system was relatively porous. And I should also, just to remind the folks, um, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, a progressive Republican, um, uh, uh, was McKinley's vice president. He became president after McKinley was assassinated. He had to win California. And the only way he could win California was to go there and promise the folks living in California that he was going to shut off Asian immigration, um, which he could not. And um, uh, now if you go to California, it is just a wonderful blend of Asian, American, yeah. Latino, um, and uh you know, I think we, to a certain degree, we self-adjust, but it's very alarming uh, when there were waves of Irish, Italians, or Jews coming over, or Asians on the other. Uh, the folks that were here were not threatened by them physically or criminally necessarily, although each of those waves of immigration had their criminal class. Mm -hmm. um, uh, still, what characterized them was fighting their way to get here and then fighting their way to prosperity. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So you you said something that I didn't know and that is that um and and I did actually have on my mother's side her grandfather um was uh, was 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 Irish. He came mm -hmm. over from Sligo, Ireland and and uh he came the other route, you know. Yep. He came through uh we did a little you know, ancestry.com thing and um he he went to Liverpool, got on a boat, came over, and they actually went through Pennsylvania, and settled in Wilkesbury. And um, again, you know, more immigrants, you know, and then you know, and then you have the rest of us here. And uh, but you're so you said something about asking for permission. So is the process now for any any immigrant that they have to get uh, they they can't come over and start a process, there has to be, what, what is the process? To my understanding, and I'm not an expert on the mechanics of this, but my understanding is the only ones that have an automatic right are those who claim asylum. So so that's why they're all asylum and seekers. If you, okay. uh, but now the administration has diverted asylum seekers back into Mexico, so or claims they have. And when did you saying that happen around World War II that that started? To no, no, the the asylum. Well, I don't know when the asylum seeking started. I think that was probably part of the '86 Reagan immigration reform. Okay, um, but um, and again, I'm not an expert on that. But yeah. uh, but uh, today, the only way you can theoretically arrive at, frankly, any of our borders um, without um, having pre-applied is to seek asylum. And considering the level of violence that um, permeates uh, Mexico, even as it moves solidly into the middle, with, a, with a solid middle class, still a very violent culture. And the further south you go, the more violent the cultures for the most part. It's hard to disprove an asylum seeker is not legitimately seeking asylum. Yeah. Well, you know, I just think there just should be a, a, a not so difficult way mm -hmm. um, 
because, uh, you know, and I've helped some friends on this. And I'm actually in the process right now of helping a good friend's wife. And, um, and she's having some, she's having issues with that. And it, and it goes back, right. A lot of, a lot of folks crossed at one time and they, some, you know, I don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden they're here, they're married, they have children, they have a business, they're, they're thriving, but it catches up with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, you can put some blame on the person for not actually trying to seek out a resolution before it got to that point. But let, let's just say that there probably isn't an easy way to do it. And from what I understand, people wait for years, years to, to become a citizen. And I think to myself, okay, if you're, if you give them a pathway to become a citizen, then they become a tax paying mm-hmm. citizen of the United States. Isn't that what we want? I mean, that seems like you've, you've just opened the door for another irony. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> tell I mean, me, tell I know me. It sounds it, it is simple, and I know when I'm saying this, everybody's going, "Yeah, I know." We, uh, yeah, right. But I don't understand it. Okay, so I'm just going to say that. Tell me one tax that um, uh, citizens pay that illegals don't pay. They pay property tax if they're in a rental apartment. They pay sales tax if they purchase goods. They pay tax if they buy lottery tickets or cigarettes. They pay tax. Um, uh, uh, you have to have a social unless you're in the. I guess income tax because if they well, if, if they if they only take cash and you know, I know I know that I know that's that, a big part of it. It happens, but if if you're in the underground economy, then you're probably off the grid as far as income tax and social security. But if you uh, a, a big destination was the construction industry. Well, there's no home major home builder and all of many of whom relied on, on right. documented workers and probably still, still do. do. Yeah. Um, but you have to have a social security number. So even if it's not your social security number, you're paying, they're withholding paying into social security for you. The only tax I could find that, that uh, citizens pay that illegals do not consistently pay is insurance tax. Um Typically, if you're undocumented, you don't buy insurance, and if you don't buy insurance, you don't pay taxes on it. Yeah. But um, uh, if you've got any kind of um, other than a you know a two person tienda or a, a food truck, perhaps um, if you've got any kind of visible um, uh, presence, uh, your employees essentially have, even if they're bogus have to have social security numbers. Yeah. So. It's always been an argument as to whether undocumented or illegal workers, however you wanted to, whatever frame phrase you want to use, this, into the system or not, yeah. whether they're a net plus or a net minus, right? Because they they do inhabit the emergency room since they don't have insurance, which yeah. is the most expensive form of health care. But that's they, a problem. I mean, that is a problem for the emergency for the right. hospitals. Uh, so that's a that's a net negative. But um, uh, the more Sales tax. The the one of the reasons we've got a thirty five billion dollars surplus right now is we saw a surge in sales tax because we have, eleven partially because we have eleven hundred new people a day coming to Texas. That's legal people. Every one of those people that are crossing the border are buying goods that are also feeding into sales tax. So the current, I, this is an interesting challenge for our comptroller Glenn Hager to try and break <laughs> out how much of our well, sales anybody tax can growth, do it, Glenn. Can yes. Do it. <laughs> But uh, it would be an interesting challenge to see how much of our sales tax growth, which is a major portion of our surplus, is as a result of um, undocumented workers coming in, coming through Texas. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, there's one more thing that also you know 
bugs me about this whole issue that I, that I don't understand, and I'm, I'm hoping you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may have an opinion. Doesn't mean I understand it. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, there's the, the argument being made, or I don't know if it is made as much, but it'll, uh, it's been made that the the reason that that the, the President Biden is allowing this to happen is because he's flooding basically the zone mm-hmm. for future voters for the Democratic Party. Uh, Tucker Carlson 101. Is that okay? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got I have an issue with that idea because so I think about I go back and I think about my grand my grandpa. Um, he was a he was a citizen. I mean, he became a citizen when he came over, but he didn't want to have anything to do with you know getting in trouble. The police. Right. I, he was always afraid that he would be sent back. And that's the same exact feelings and emotions that go through everybody that comes over here illegally is that why would they put themselves out in, in a situation where they can, they can they'll put their name down? I mean, why would you show up? Why would you pop your head up? And then um, recently I, I was having this discussion with somebody else and they went into the, the next phase of that, which is, well, they'll just, you know, people will just go in and sign them up and use street money and just, you know, blah, 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 you know. And so you have the whole, you know, the election issue, which kind of kind of flows right into all of this, this same issue. So I kind of want to know what you think about all that, because it's, it's, it's very confusing. I don't, th- I just don't think they're going to be voters, not for a long, long time. And you'd have to give them some kind of immunity or something for them to want to do right. that. So what's the underlying issue there? Well, first of all, as long as they're not citizens, we're, we're about to, well, at least the Senate's going to pass out a bill that's going to have a sign up uh, in most polling places that say, um, uh, if you make them, it, I'm being liberal with the translation, but if you make a mistake, you could go to jail. Yeah. Um, you can't have your abuela. Your, you, it, if your grandmother is a citizen but barely speaks English and does not read English, whether it's a Latino or Asian, it's not un, not uncommon for your, the child to be in the voting booth with them explaining what the propositions are. That's illegal now. Um, so there are there's an enormous amount of um, um, friction uh, that more or less prevents that that from happening. Um, I don't think that's a real issue. The irony is the presumption that it, uh, illegal arrivals uh, are going to be Democratic voters. We're watching South Texas transition to Republican. Right. Um, almost every immigrant group, not all of them, but almost every we immigrant. We just talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they um, uh, by second or third generation, they're splitting their vote. Um, uh, and increasingly, uh, especially if you have a, your family has a tradition of having fought to get here in order to build a business, et cetera, uh, which is the source of much of our entrepreneurial spirit. It's a safe presumption for that to believe that most Irish third generation, Irish or democratic voters or most second generation Italians or democratic voters. Um, matter of fact, I think, and unless they become, uh, the Asians default, um, typically they default uh, Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the rhetoric has now gotten so uh, xenophobic that uh, obviously there's a, a feeling of a, a lot of hostility being directed towards them. There's a lot of new violence towards Asians. 
and they're not finding much assistance or sympathy on the Republican side. So that's that's flipping what should be a Republican vote uh, back to Democrats. But uh, the the trajectory of immigrant groups is typically that they become more and more Republican voting as time goes on, and they they become more prosperous and educated. Yeah, it's it's always been a it's always been you know for me a a, a problem with that argument because uh, I just don't see how I mean I guess knowing a lot of uh, over the years since I've been growing up knowing people that have been coming over and doing work and then they go back and I know how they they're they're they just they really don't yeah they don't want you they really don't want you to know anything about them they want to do their work and they want to get out of the way. So to, to think that they're going to turn into some kind of voting block, I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it takes, uh, what, six to 10 years to become a citizen. It takes two to three years to get a green card in, under our current procedures. Yeah. Um, anybody without that uh, documentation walking into a polling booth now can be uh, commit, committing voter fraud. Now, they might be drop box, mailboxes, et cetera, but you still have to apply and prove uh, yeah. to, to get a mail-in ballot. Um, so, well, well, based on all the things that we talked about, you know, we go back to the original, you know, premise of our discussion about the border is why, you know, why is, uh, why would you ignore what's going on at the border? doesn't make any sense. None of those arguments, mm-hmm. they, they don't make any sense anymore about why someone would do something. It's just, it, they're ignoring the issue and to the detriment of, of of U.S. citizens and to those and to the people that are coming across, and it's and, awful. To, it's awful what they have to go through and what they have to spend, and the, and they get into basically servitude for years to try to pay back these cartels. And all. it just none of that makes sense. It's it's a tragedy on both sides. It's a tragedy for the United States because these are the most motivated workers. Where I mean, the fact that we're a country of immigrants and the fact that we're a country of entrepreneurs is not an accident. Yeah. The, tra- the tragedy may be that it reduces – the argument has been that it reduces workforces uh, – wages for the um, uh, citizen workforce. But right now we have two jobs for every applicant. And as long as – that's a major component of our uh, very sticky inflation right now. Yeah. Um, and um, it's um, also going to – it impacts uh, home pro- – well, everything in the supply chain – so it's costly on both sides. We're we're giving up our seed corn to a certain degree, our entrepreneurial seed corn, by making it more difficult, and um, at the same time, by ignoring it as you describe it, we're um, we're creating a tragedy on the border. Um, and uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I suspect if there was a process that had buy-in from everybody, it would ameliorate the problem pretty dramatically. There would yeah. be an expectation of process. Right now, there's no expectation of process. There's just an expectation that if you can get across. You may have family somewhere that, um, and you migrate up into Chicago, which one time had the largest Hispanic population yeah. in in the country, if not, well, maybe not as many as Mexico City, but but, <laughs> but uh, large, large, <laughs> substantial, uh, yeah. and uh, so it's heartbreaking to watch the border. It's infuriating to watch the border, but in Frank, but I think both, well, certainly the Republicans are responsive to their primary voters, and that's the number one issue among their primary voters, and, and, I, and I get that. Um, uh, but uh, um, the border will not be resolved until there's a process. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Well, Harvey, I wish we could uh, 
wish we could have like a checkbox and say we solved these problems when we talk. <laughs> but at least we threw, we, we, you know, you know, the, as much as we know, and much as as, as you and I have been around and and um, and see what's going on. At least, hopefully, our our viewers and our listeners get a lot more information and. And, um, you know, we can always come back. There's, you know, so many things that we talked about. I mean, we covered a lot of ground. But, um, again, thanks, uh, thanks again for, for being a part of State House, And we'll, uh, we'll see you on the, on the, next, uh, the next part of, of uh, the backstory with Harvey Kronberg. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's fun. And um, throw me some curveballs, make me think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, good I, I need to, I, I'm going I'm to do that just, just to see <laughs> if I can throw you off. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Harvey. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the State House Podcast. Today's show is made possible through a generous donation from my friends at Air Wellness. Air Wellness is one of the most innovative and fastest growing vertically integrated U.S. multi-state cannabis operators. The company's mission is to drive positive impact for their patients, their customers, their employees, and the communities they serve. For more information, please visit airwellness.com. That's A-Y-R wellness.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.